When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today we have someone who is a, a legend above all legends, perhaps. One of the most legendary figures we ever had on here. Twista is in the building. How you doing, man? Thank you, my brother. How you doing, Adam? Oh, I'm doing excellent, man. Um, you're one rapper that I can honestly say that I knew about you before I ever heard you rap because I remember reading in the source about mm. the legend that was Twista in like the early 90s when I was like a little kid in elementary school and okay. you know the, the the Twista sales pitch is like this guy's the fastest rapper in the world and yeah. we had I had to hear it I had to figure out what was going on and that was like a long <laughs> ass time ago so it's it's kind of crazy when I think about how long Twista has been a thing in my brain it's been a while even right? before I heard you that's crazy man, man. that's love pretty wild um yeah you're 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 someone who's been doing it for about as long as as we can imagine what what year would you say it was when you really started actually like getting into the rap game tell us a little bit about the early days the early days like i started rapping very early like probably 13 14 years old and then by the time uh i got signed uh on my first deal which was with loud records right so I was like the first artist on Loud Records. Uh-huh. And at the time, I was probably like 18, something like that. Right. So I remember uh, uh, me, and, me and Calm came out around the same time. Me right. and Calm around around that same time. So uh, these was the early years. That's when I came out. What yeah. year did you first sign with? What year was it when you signed with Loud? Man, that was early, like, what, 90, 91 or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And... Yeah. um. I mean, how would you characterize your your life prior to that? Like, like, how did you grow up? What were the, what were the circumstances like? Let's hear a little bit about that. Man, just really in the hood, man. Like, you know, from the west side of Chicago. That's where I was born at, on the west side of Chicago. Hood called K-Town. Mm. And just coming up in the neighborhood, you know. Uh, you know, me, my brothers, sisters, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we hear so much about Chicago in terms of, you know, what, what it is to be from the hood or in the streets out there. How was it different at that time? What are the biggest differences that stand out to you? Technology. Mm. You know, around that time, your influences were more local. Local. Mm. People that you could get to at school, in the neighborhood, your parents, things like that. Some stuff you would see maybe on TV. Mm. But now it's like so integrated everybody knows what everyone is doing and got opinions about what everyone is doing Mm. you know so it's a lot different yeah i mean you i always end up thinking about that in terms of like you know the 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 gangbanging thing in particular like it just must have been so different back in the day when like 
the other side of the town was a total mystery to you slash like you heard things, but you didn't get to have like a, 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 mm -hmm. a window into your enemy's exact thoughts on his Instagram story all day. That's a different yeah. level. And then you didn't want him to know, you mm -hmm. know, if you was about to get down in Chicago back then, if you had an enemy, it wasn't to be talked about, you know, you wanted to be silent about it, mm -hmm. you know, so. That's one thing that's different. Like, dad, they just going to say it. You going to let them know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, as a rap fan, you're pretty much always having that feeling. And in particular, like, mm. when, when, you, when you see it, like, if you're ever trying to explain a rap beef to somebody who's older, a lot of times they'll just be like, and they're just saying this on the internet? Like, it's so mind-blowing to them if they, ha <laughs> if they haven't been around it. It's like, yes, no, that's, that's, that's really yeah. how this works. Yeah, it's crazy. Definitely. Um, but okay, so what, what about your family life? Like, like, what was the support system that you had as a kid? Man, I was cool. Like, you know, my mother raised us right, you know. You know, I had a, a strong mother, you mm -hmm. know, and she raised us right. And, uh, you know, came up with me and my brothers, you know, mm -hmm. and then my sister, you know, my sisters. And, uh, you know, I had a, a, a typical hood upbringing you know nothing's coming to my mind at this particular time but I had a typical upbringing it was definitely hard mm -hmm. you know so so we had to uh we had to make way but you know we came out of it like I said around 17 18 once I started getting it popping you know I was able to help a lot and things like that and things started to turn around so what, what kind of music were you listening to when you were like a young kid and, and how did hip-hop start to become a presence in your brain Probably around the time when it when it started to affect me was LL Cool J, mm. Run DMC, Beastie Boys. This is the type of stuff I'm listening to at the time when I started to want to do it myself. Mm. You know, Fat Boys and Dougie Fresh was a big influence on me rapping. Right. It wouldn't be a me if it was no Fat Boys and Dougie Fresh. Those two specifically. Right. You know? Definitely. And was it was it like everyone in your school was listening to rap or was it still kind of smaller from like was it was it like the thing that everybody was listening to or at that point was it was it still kind of like a fringe interest since you didn't have that many like local artists and shit? Right, right. In Chicago, hip hop was like something that was it, you had a lot of hip hoppers on the south side. So me being from the west side, there was an extra like a, a, a extra thing as far as it not being something that was familiar to everybody. Mm. So I was like one of the only artists that was into it at that time. And though you, you, you still had some dope ones at the time that was coming up, but definitely it was like a scarce thing when I was into hip hop, you know, right. in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. And so how, how did your actual interest in rap come to be? Um, like I was saying, doing like, the actual uh, rapping. Doing actual rap, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to tell you, I was, I was into it, listening to all of the rappers that's doing their thing. Mostly, like a lot of East Coast artists. I still was listening to like N.W.A. A lot of the West Coast artists. Like it'll be, I'm a fan of like artists you wouldn't even think of. I used to listen to Def Jeff, all type, like any, like all type of artists. So it got to a level where I was into the beatboxing a lot. You right. know, I used to write rhymes for. For my guys, you know, my, my guy uh, B in the hood, my guy, uh, or should I say my little brother, we had a little group and everything like that. But once I heard Dougie Fresh was rapping, uh -huh. it's like, man, he ain't just beatboxing, he rapping too. Yeah. You know, so that sparked my interest to actually want to be a rapper was seeing Dougie Fresh not only beatboxing, but he was rapping too. So I'm like, man, I'm going to start rapping too. Right. That's dope. But uh, rapping to you at the time, I assume, was just 
kind of being with your friends on the street or in school and that kind of shit? Yeah, like you hadn't yeah. really thought about getting in the in the studio yet? Of course, no, nah, no. Nah. Like at that time, it was more so about rocking in the neighborhood, rocking my block, stuff like that. Mm. Like a few battles and stuff like that, and at school, stuff like that. Definitely, yeah. you were battling dudes like like people from school and stuff. Would you, you have any like? That's how I came up, really. Notable ones at the yeah. time. Okay. Just uh. But before there was ever a video camera. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of videotaping back then, mm. but it was like a lot of local battles in the hood, like me with a certain guy from this hood, certain guy from this hood. Shout out to my boy Baby John. I used to battle Baby John in the hood, you know. Okay. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, okay, so then how did you start to like really get your name out there? Or, or actually, I want to ask even before that, like when did you sort of realize that you were very good at rapping? And how did, how did your style sort of start to form? Man, really... I was rapping like, like I said, I was like spitting like rhymes that was normal, I would say. Because when you say like LL Cool J, Run DMC, like flow-wise, pretty simple and pretty slow. Like like compared to what you do, you know, it's a completely fundamental other side of like what you could do flow-wise. Yeah, well, like Rakim. Rakim was probably the top influence. Right. You know, like... People like Dougie Fresh helped influence me to start rapping. People like Rakim helped me refine my style of rap. Mm. So if you listen to a lot of Rakim's lyrics, you will hear a lot of cadences where you'll be like, okay, I can see what Twister talking about, mm. you know? So, but, but my rap style really just came from rapping normal and then start to put a little line or two in there. You know? Right. And then you're doing it a little more and a little more. Then you start hearing other people doing it. Then one day I said, man, you know what? I want to be the one that's like known for this style the most. Mm. So I said, instead of doing it in little spurts, I'm gonna make a whole verse like this. Right. And I wrote this rap. You know, and then I wrote a whole verse that sounded like that. Right. And you didn't have anybody that you could have looked at at that time that was rapping fast. Was there anybody that you could have looked at and said like, well, this guy is kind of like what I'm doing, but I'm gonna go more extreme version of it. It was a it was a a few rappers that was doing their thing. Like I liked uh at that time I liked Foo Snickers. Oh right, yeah. yeah okay, they were already yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah, me me and Chip, like that that's my guy right there. Like I, I like the way he does his thing. It's a few earlier. I, I liked the song Originators when I had heard that with uh Jay, Jazzo and Jay. Okay, I liked that yeah, song. Yeah, that okay. was one of the That's first, a good point too, yeah, right? Yeah, that that's a good one. Yeah, it was some out there doing their thing, definitely. Definitely. And so, like, how do you feel like people uh, received that when you first started to do it? Like, was it kind of mind-blowing to people, or did, did people gravitate towards it? Some of them was amazed. Some of them was, we don't know what the fuck you're saying. You're rapping too fast. Slow this shit down. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but you, you always, like, kind of believed in it? Like, was there were there times where you were, like, sort of going back and forth, or was it Definitely. always something where you were like, nah, this is the shit. I'm pushing this the nah. whole way. Never stayed like that. I always mm-hmm. had a writer's block. Really? I always had a writer's block. I would I would let what other artists were doing or what people may be saying influence me too much. Mm. So if I saw somebody winning a certain way or doing a certain type of style, you know, because I can pretty much rap any way I want to rap. Mm. So a lot of times my uh, abilities were 
too easy to, you know, and I would hear other things and dabble in this and dabble in that and do certain styles and songs that wasn't really me. Mm. You know, then there were certain times I would get into a long writer's block where I couldn't really figure myself out. It, it, it took me a while to, to get to that conclusion of, man, just do you. Right. You know, just be Twister. Do you. That's dope by itself. What, what you what you looking for? You know, one thing yeah. that always kind of occurs to me when I listen to you rap is that you might have a bar where you're actually saying the same number of syllables that maybe somebody else would in, mm -hmm. in that bar, but what you do is you'll, like, rap the beginning part of the bar, like, really fast, and then rap, like, maybe one or two of the syllables. You slow yeah. it down. And it's it's interesting because it's, like, you're considered to be rapping so fast, but really you're fitting a reasonable amount of thoughts into each bar. It's just that your 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 flow is completely different. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it is to do with just the cadence itself. A lot of times people just think, uh, you rapping fast or double time or like like different phrases, but it's really just the cadence. Mm. I like to be like another instrument. You know, I find it artful to be able to say something meaningful and make sense with what you're saying and still be able to put it together in a cadence where the way you are flowing is sounding like an instrument right. along with the track. And what's kind of amazing when you actually look at the twist of Spotify, which I was just digging into for an hour or two yesterday, uh, is that you have just like featured on records by so many ridiculously huge artists over the it's years. A lot, yeah. And I would assume that it's like, it's not really you saying like, hey, Mariah Carey, let me hop on that. No, it's like she saw something in what you're doing that she wanted to bring you in or somebody on her team. Like most of these records, it's like they look at you as like a weapon that they want to bring in to add something different to a track a lot of times. Which is dope. Yeah. I, I never heard weapon. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You can use that. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, yeah that, that was always dope. And uh, that was the reward to me of the, the effort of working on music the way I would work on it sometimes like it would take me a half a day to write a verse back then you know as mm. as I grew into an artist then I was able to do it faster and work faster but there were times where it would take me hours and hours and hours to put together a verse because I was so it was so important that these lyrics came out the way I wanted them really and so yeah yeah so when when people like that say yo let me get twisted on the song and, and when, when certain artists would come that would be the reward to me for that hard work yeah definitely um would you at that time was punching in when recording a verse a thing or would you do one take a little of both depending okay. on what type of energy i wanted really? if i wanted a natural energy where you can hear me sweating and breathing and, and getting that whole verse out mm. and you just hearing it in the, in the raw then i would do that type of verse and and do the whole verse or something like that but if it's something where i want to perfect it i'm in a studio this is for the album i want to make sure it sounds flawless then i might punch it even if i don't have to mm. just to get certain phrases out here and there you get a different yeah. effect in terms of like having your breath be when your breath is fresh for each individual line then it, mm -hmm. it gives a very different feeling like i've heard songs where like a producer told me like he punched in for this one and he mm -hmm. didn't punch in for this one and it yeah. really is interesting how the same artist can have a, a, a different feel yeah yeah I, and i like to use it as a tool to like why not use it like if you know that you can make something sound better by just simply doing a punch and, and making it flow, then it's cool. But what I don't like is when you cannot rap if you cannot punch. Right. That's what I don't like if you just are not capable of rapping unless you 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 don't 
don't punch. I mean, it's cool. You can do your thing, but I'm like, yeah. I don't respect it as much. Sometimes you know? when you listen to a rapper, like a pop star type rapper, and they're, you, you can just tell that they just like coached them through each bar, like 80 takes just to make man. it sound perfect. And it's just like, that's cool for you. But like, man, like this is so far away from what being a rapper actually was about at one point. Yeah. You you miss you miss a lot of the rawness when you do all of that punching like that. You know you gotta yeah. you gotta let some of that rawness out, and then you don't you don't use the punching to make it sound like you're a robot and doing phrases that you know a person would have probably took a breath right there. Mm. You know things like that. So definitely. Um, have you gotten into uh, sort of like writing in the booth to any extent like you know the way that nowadays the kids always will just get in the booth and they just make up one line make up the next line make up the next line can you get into that at all or are you, are you always going in there with a with a written no I, I make songs in all ways because all ways are interesting to me mm. even if it's um like I don't need anybody to write a song for me, but I might have somebody help write a hook or do something just because I know this big star does it or this mm. big star does it. So I'm like, I want to feel that feeling too. So I'll do that. Like sometimes I'll go to the studio and I won't have a song and mm. I'll start listening to a beat and I might make it as I go along, mm. you know, punch about four bars at a time and just keep doing it until the verse is finished. Sometimes I might go in the studio, listen to the beat, and write the whole verse and then go in there and spit it. Sometimes I might write half a verse mm. and then off the top the rest of it. Right. Sometimes I might be in the car writing and get the whole song out and come there and I know the whole song. So I try to make songs in all different ways. Sometimes I might just mumble out the cadence of a song right. and then come back and feel the words out, mm. you know? You hear a lot of mumble. That's one thing you wouldn't really know unless you're in the studio with rappers is how often they'll just do a mumble track mm -hmm. and then go in and turn the mumbles into actual words. Which yeah. I, a lot of times the fans have no idea about that. And it's pretty yeah. interesting. A lot, of, uh, a lot of big artists do that. I remember doing uh, a song with Sting. I got lucky and did a song Sting. with Sting. Yeah, it was called Stolen Car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I did a song with him and I had an opportunity to ask a question and the first thing I asked him was, how does he make songs? Uh -huh. And he told me how he comes up with the melody a lot first, and then he may proceed and come up with the words and fill it out as he goes along. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's interesting because what you were just saying about, like, I might work with a songwriter. Like, I remember at one point in Snoop's career, he mm -hmm. kind of said that. He was like, you know, I've, I've worked with all these big artists and I see them sometimes and they just, they be working with a writer and they'll have amazing results. And he's like, wow, I'm supposed to just never do that just because I'm a rapper? Like, yeah. hell no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work with a great songwriter to put together a hit. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Definitely if it fits what you're doing. Like, I think that's an art within itself to be able to choose a writer to help you do something. And then not only that, be able to deliver what, you know what they are writing a lot of times though like i pretty much write all of my stuff right but what i dabbled into a few times was an artist writing a verse mm. and then i'll spit that verse and see how it sounds and then i'll write the second verse mm. making sure it's matching that to make sure i don't know it's something in me as a rapper that can't fully bow down to the writer thing for of right. somebody else so i make sure that i'm still doing my thing if i do any type of song like that but it's very very rare that i do it though but you know what's interesting about it is i feel like when you're young making music 
it's so much about your ego, you know, you like, mm. you, this is about what you have to say and what you want to put out there. And then as you get older, it's kind of like, well, I'm not the greatest writer of all time. I'm not the greatest hook writer of all time. Why wouldn't I like get someone to help out or to assist? Because over time it becomes more about like, I love music and I want to make great music. So I yeah. would like to, and, and once you realize like, especially in this day and age where, you know, you'll have like, you'll hear about pop stars and they'll have eight different writers on one song and four producers and shit. Like everybody yeah. just getting in on that. The idea that every Twista song needs to be Twista and a producer and that's it is just like, I realize that is how it's going to work most of the time, but I, I respect people who are willing to go outside that box you know i gotta do it sometimes because i'll just destroy every you know Mm. i'll be in destroy mode all the time and sometimes i need to open it up so i I need to hear some cadence from somebody else every once in a while right how do you feel about the criticism and i'm sure that you've maybe heard a person or two say this about you over the years but i find that mostly i hear people say it about eminem where people basically accuse him of over rapping and kind of like doing too much on a track and instead of you know maybe being willing to slow it down a little bit or whatever he has mm-hmm. to go mega fast and mega technical on every song how do you feel about that criticism when you hear people say that about uh you or or, or any artist it's just like like some some of us as artists like if we are true rappers or true MCs we want to take it there from the perception of what a true rapper is, mm. you know? So I respect it. I, I know what an Eminem is doing. I know how Nas is thinking. I'm knowing how Jay is thinking. I'm knowing how Rakim is thinking. Mm. There's a certain perception of what a true lyricist is. And we try to, to de- like, we try to deliver that, mm. you know? There's a certain element to it. So I get that criticism, but I never let it stop me from doing what I'm doing. It's like. It's just there. Like when mm. I make music, it's got to be a certain way that's going to make me catch a vibe. You mm. know, it's got to be funky. You know, I feel you. You know, what's interesting about it is that it's, it's kind of like back in the day, rappers were rapping for other rappers. And nowadays, rappers are rapping for like the kids, the fans. Because I think you hit the point right there. Well, <laughs> you know, like, that's a big point yeah. because I think I still rap for other rappers. Mm. I think a lot of the rappers that you're talking about, we still rap for other rappers. Right. We don't just rap for a person that just wants to hear music or the, the, the average fan. We we like really take it that we rap for other rappers too. So that, that's a good point. Yeah, and I'm sure that you've heard before, like, oh, Twist is your, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. That's like, you know, you hear that from time to time as like a compliment. Yeah, that's a, a great compliment. Yeah, that's a great compliment. And that and that and that is what it is because you realize that like a lot of the double entendres and stuff, sometimes I'll like end up reading an old issue of The Source or like an old book that just like sort of breaks down like a Jay-Z couple of lines and like, look how he, you know, loops these words and these words relate to these words and, and all that shit. And I'm like, bro, so mm. much of that is completely lost in modern rapping because I think the fans just aren't really perceptive enough to, and, and the rappers have sort of all, many of them have realized that like, oh, like you don't have to do that much. And maybe the fans like relate to it more when you're, when your lyrics are simple, but a little bit, of, a little bit of all of that, you know, but everybody has a different perception. So me, me in the space where I'm at, when I'm when I'm hearing that, I'm playfully jealous. Mm. Damn, I gotta write all these damn rhymes to get, and he go in there and just smooth it out like that, you know. Mm. And that's that feeling that you get that make me go in the studio and do some dumb shit and try to do some s- smooth, slow thing. And want to hear that, <laughs> you know. So I gotta be careful with it, but but I respect it all, right. you know. When I hear that, like to me, 
even though I do what I do, when I hear another artist make a song that's, that, that, that can really take it there and they are not rapping or doing the amount of work that I'm doing, mm. I respect it because they didn't have to do what I had to do to achieve that goal. So I, I respect it too. Definitely, definitely. So you, you put out your first album in 91, 92, I think you said? Yeah, yeah, running off at the mouth. And so what is life like becoming a, a, a new rapper at that point? Like, are you just on tour constantly doing promo dates and stuff? Like, what, what, what was it? And, and, and also, just like, how did it feel to all of a sudden just become like the first rapper who was really doing something out of your area? It was, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, new to me. Yeah. You know, it kind of took me by surprise, like, because I just wanted to be a dope rapper and put a record out. Mm. All of the rest of the stuff was like, ooh, you know, overwhelming to me. But it was definitely fun, you know, walking into Loud Records, you know, taking the first flight out here, you know, and then we, we went, uh, walked in Loud Records. When I walked in the door, the first poster I seen was, they were a, a promotion company at the time. The first post I seen on the wall was Tupac. All, uh, what was it? No. One of the first records, I think it was Strictly For My Niggas or one, one of his first records okay, yeah. um, that he had put out. It was a DOS Effects poster, I think, on the wall. Mm -hmm. So I was like, wow. You know, I think the first tour that I went on was me, Ghetto Boys, and Dale the Homo Sapien. And Ghetto Boys hit at the time was my mind's playing tricks on me right one of the best songs of all time yeah and and de la soul wow and i got a chance to kick it with possum them backstage and i was excited because this was my first time being around other rappers i was like wow that's amazing yeah damn first so that was your first tour how long was it um Ooh, that I can't remember. We definitely did a few dates, though. But they was were it, all out here. It was like a week or was it like a month? Because I feel like that's a huge no. difference in terms of like maybe being weeks, around people week, for that long. Like a week or two, okay. something like that, yeah. And so, Some dates, yeah. And that must have just not just been your first time, uh, you know, being around other rappers. This is your first time really being around people who aren't from Chicago, too. So you're just complete culture shock, right? Like, just, yeah. you must have been fascinating to see like how everybody else was living and shit right definitely at that time you know at that time like man this day La soul right here i'm like man we watching them doing mind playing tricks on me i'm watching dela home saving and do his thing how he rocking like the whole thing was dope you know and, and it, it really set me on that path to really like go hard at the game was there anything mind-blowing like you know people are doing different drugs they're smoking different shit they dealing with girls in different ways was there anything that like really kind of stands out to you that blew your mind about like just people's lifestyles that were different back then i don't know like like i don't know what's the question again say that again <laughs> no i'm gonna tell you why i paused because when you were saying that i was thinking about mm. another dope experience at the time well just tell me that experience i'll come back to this question we was in the club <laughs> we were out here somewhere and easy e walked in the club oh, and the booyah tribe was with him and they was his bodyguards at the time and i got a chance to get on stage and freestyle with mc search holy shit this was a, a dope moment for me right Yep. And then we went outside and the dude got into it with some dudes out there and he pulled out a sawed off pump. Whoa. 
that must have been the craziest visual. Like, Easy E's little ass just coming through with an army of these fucking Samoan dudes all around him. It was it was dope, man. This was dope. This was just to see it. I was like, wow. You know, and I had seen Booyah Tribe a few times, so I was always amazed to see them, you know, and then got on stage and see MC Search do his thing, and he handed me the mic, and I got a chance to rap. I was like, oh, man. These are all, like, people yeah. that the average rap fan, even from that era, would not necessarily think of all being in the same club at the same time. Like, Twisted Easy and, and Search all, all wrapped up in the same situation. I know, right? I That's know. a beautiful thing. Yeah, it was real dope. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, like, was it, you know, sometimes I feel with rappers that sometimes they're only, like, half in the game of actually wanting to be successful. Sometimes they still sort of have like one foot in the streets. Sometimes there's like part of them that still kind of wants to be a regular person. Mm-hmm. Were you all in on like, I'm trying to be a superstar. I'm trying to build up my fucking career and, and just really do this. No, I mean, I was doing it, but I was still living in the neighborhood. So I'm still around certain people. Mm. So definitely was still around the element, but me as a person, never into the element I was into rapping mm-hmm. so I might have been around certain things and seen certain things and and was was on a street vibe enough to do to do what I was doing spit the stuff I was spitting you know you mm-hmm. know in it like that but but not so much that I would let it take me away from chasing my dream mm-hmm. yeah if I felt like something was gonna gonna stop the dream I was like you know whoa when we think about Chicago now it's like usually if a rapper blows up from one side of town, mm-hmm. there's another side of town that's pissed off about that rapper blowing up. Was there anybody who was mad that Twister was blowing up? I always had like a little hate, mm-hmm. you know, a little hate here and there. You know, it, it was always somebody uh, upset at, at, at me for some reason mm-hmm. when it come to, to to being, you know, in the game. And, you know, I mirror it when I see other artists go through that. And like, like especially once the internet era kicked off and you got to see what other artists go through mm. and then I, I felt more normal you right. know but but a lot of times it was it was a lot of hard days people put a lot of hard pressure on my mind right know? yeah i hear it so okay your first album comes out and then like how would you describe like where your career kind of goes for like, like like basically you have this big wall of a career in between like you linking up with kanye and you have like all these years that you, that you were doing your thing, like how, how how was that time period of your career where you were really putting in that work and everything? Talk to us about that. I think that was when I felt uh, what it really felt like to be an artist on that level. Mm. You know, that's when I really felt it. You know, that's when I realized that DJs was human too. You know, I thought they was monsters at first. I ain't, I didn't realize I just had a whack record or I wasn't hot. You know, I thought the DJs was monsters. So once I got a chance to get around a certain element, you know, I, I perceived things different. I had different conversations with people. And then to like walk into a record store and see a big line all the way around the corner of people waiting for you to walk into a record store so they can sign, so you can sign their autograph, stuff like that. It was amazing. Like to walk into, like to do a House of Blues show and everything is packed wall to walls. Like, man, that stuff was amazing. So, and then doing those shows. Like, I remember when Jay looked at me, he was like, he looked, because we were doing a sound check and I was about to do Is That Your Chick? Uh-huh. And he just said, yeah, that slow jam song. You and Kanye should come out with that first. That's a hit. Uh huh. So he was the first person that called it. Right. 
Yeah, and from that moment forward, from him, from that, he spoke it into existence. From that moment forward, that song came out and worked for us. You know, it, wow. was, it was good, yeah. That's pretty crazy. So when, what year would you say that you became associated with Rockefeller, and how long before the actual, uh, that, before those records started to take off? It was around that time. Right. You know, it, it was around the time we did uh, Is That Your Chick, uh-huh. Slow Jams those type of records was there ever a time before that era in your career because i was just like having a conversation with one of my employees and i'm like i mean i'm like i know you probably like remember twista mostly from like that era of doing those records with kanye but you gotta realize that i knew about him like 10 12 15 years before that and he had a whole leg to his career before he basically like all of a sudden boom you got a whole nother leg on your career at that yeah, point was that there was ever, crazy was there any time where you were really feeling like maybe shit is slowing down maybe things are not going so good maybe this is not necessarily going to work out in that time period there or was it was it always pretty good in which time period? In the time before, like, slow jams and all that, like, throughout oh. your career. Was there ever a time where you kind of got demotivated there, or was it always yeah. pretty yeah, it, good? It, it was always a few periods where I got demotivated, you know. I, um, I couldn't take advantage of an era like this. Mm. You know, we, we, we could only do things to a certain extent. and Because um, your label had to be on board for everything you wanted to do. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. So, so I went through a lot of things where I was trying to be this image of what everybody thought. You know, so so I went through a lot of, uh, let me say, mental hardships. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, mental health is definitely an issue that should be um, addressed a lot, mm. a whole lot. You know, a lot of times when you see something happen, you know, it's usually some form of mental problem or trauma that, that causes situations anyway. So, you know, yeah, I went through a lot of stuff um, just coming up in the game and, and just being depressed about not being in this space or mm. that space. And I don't know. One day I just mellowed out, mm. you know. I don't know. Once you get once you get the legend living, like like my boy Pastor Troy said, you know, legend living, you just be you, you cool. I'm comfortable in my skin. I make music the way I want to make it. I mm. do what I want to do. I'm happy with me. You know? That's interesting because, yeah, you, I, uh, that's the thing that you kind of gain over time when you're like, you know what, I am what I am. And I mean, I, that's certainly the place where you're in, where it's like you never really probably have to make another song in your life, and you're still Twister, and you still could do all these different things in the culture and shit. And it really don't, probably don't matter if you put out another record. You, that, I think that is almost like the definition of a legend is when you can kind of your, your your prior accolades are so notable that you can kind of chill. Yeah, I think we will always love making music though. Mm. Like if you're a true artist, you will always make music to the day you die. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Um, Rest in peace to DMX, too. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, how much interaction with him you have throughout your life? Not a lot. I only seen him a few times. I I got a beat before, maybe a couple of beats before from Swiss Beats. Right. You know, you know, I got on with Dragon. See, I saw that. I went, I typed Twisted DMX into YouTube to see if uh, you guys had ever worked together. Yeah. And I I saw that Dragon song. I didn't get that blessing, but, but that's a brother that shouldn't have been taken from us and uh i just want to say rest in peace to him yeah that's a sad one to me dmx is kind of like the soundtrack to like eighth grade like that's that's when those the 1998 i think was when he had two number one albums in a year i know yeah he went crazy that year man yeah yeah unbelievable um Okay, so yeah, like when you kind of link up with rockefeller though what's your perspective on it because they were like the hottest label in the game at that moment 
Yeah, I mean, I was on cloud nine, you know, being with them. I was still attached to Atlantic at the same time, and that's why it didn't really take off where we could could have took it because, you know, you had two different companies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was the problem. But as far as the experience within itself, it was dope, you know, being around the guys, you know, Freeway and all of them, you know, mm -hmm. Freeway ended up be becoming one of my, my buddies, you know, uh, Memph Bleak, all of those guys, you know, right. just being able to hang around them during the tour and stuff like that. It was real dope being around Dame. You know, Dame's real dope. Who kind of brought you into the fold at Rockefeller? Was that Dame or was it Jay or? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, a little bit of both. But definitely Jay with the uh, the music from mm -hmm. the musical perspective and, and Dame from the business. But I mean, a little bit of, of both. I got a, a, a vibe with both of them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so for Kanye, that was just like, it wasn't because of Kanye that you came in? Like, did you know that Kanye too. prior? Yeah, that too. Yeah, okay. that too. And I knew him prior as well, you know? We used it, to see him at clubs in Chicago. I had been at his house listening to him do beats. Really? Before, yeah, before he became famous, yeah. Because you got to think, like a lot of times I noticed that rappers, well, not a lot, but sometimes, like like G-Unit, like when, when G-Unit blows up, 50 sort of looks at artists that he respects but that came out way before him and he says i'm gonna try to take mob deep and mop and sort of revitalize their careers at that point you know i feel like with kanye it's kind of crazy that super early in his career he was able to basically like engineer the biggest moment in the biggest chicago legends career like kanye kind of like makes himself the most legendary producer from chicago ever by being able to say like you know what Twista has been legendary as fuck for 10, 15 years. We're going to take Twista's career and we're going to fucking completely like make everybody look at him like a brand new artist. That's yeah. a fucking legendary thing to be yeah. a part of. Yeah, dude is a damn genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a genius. And, and, and you know, you know what they say about genius people, you know, they, they, they say we get a little wacky sometimes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, for sure. How, when's the last time you talked to Kanye? It's been a while. I haven't mm. talked to him in a while. If I wanted to reach out to him, it, it wouldn't be a problem. You mm. know, I, I know people that's close to him. It wouldn't be a problem. You know, definitely. Um, would you say when you, when you were saying the thing about depression earlier, that's kind of interesting because I feel like nowadays it's very normal for a rapper to be honest about being depressed like if you were to say hey like i know you y'all might not have seen me for the last year it's because i've been going through a lot of shit i've been depressed that'd be a normal thing to say now uh back at that time though it was probably like pretty taboo for you to even say that i'm depressed um yeah what was that like like to, trying to you know not being able to be able to communicate that so much i mean it's, it's dope when you see people like g herbo bring light to stuff like that you know um, I'm definitely glad that we are in a, in a place now where people can talk about it and be open. And then also to see the root of a lot of stuff. You know, you get out there and you're like, oh, do this or, or do that, or you got to stop this or stop that. A lot of times it'll be some mental issue or trauma mm -hmm. that, that, that has a person acting out. Yeah. You know? And there's so much shit in rap that we think is normal and we act like it's normal. Like, you know, I'll interview people, you know, every week I feel like I'm interviewing somebody that has a story about how they saw somebody get killed in front of them when they were 10 years old or whatever. And it's like this culture just sort of acts like that's all good. I mean, that shit will fuck you up. Yeah. You know, yeah. it definitely will, especially coming from where I came from. Yeah. But it's like so normal in a lot of places that people don't even really take the time to sort of examine what that might have done you seeing something that horrible at a young age, you know, and then you get older and you kind of look at it more objectively. It's like the, the only way that society can kind of get better is if people are willing to have conversations about these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely about that. 
mm. having conversations. Definitely. So, okay, you get around Rockefeller. How did those songs actually come about, like uh, Overnight Celebrity in particular? Uh, how, how does it come about? And, like, was it was it Kanye, like, really sort of being like, Twister, we got to do these songs? Like, like what were those sessions like? Um, slow Jams, he, he, he just, he had a vibe for that, you know? Yeah. He had the way he wanted it to go and everything, and, and I was just glad to be a part of it, and I wanted to make sure my verse was on fire, you mm -hmm. know? I wanted to make sure I did my thing on that song. And from that, I started to have a mind state on where I wanted to take it. So Overnight Celebrity was a little bit of my idea as far as the sample, mm -hmm. but then his idea as far as the way he put it together. Right. You know, so that was a song I was, I was glad to have and that, that that turned into something. I was scared when I wrote that song because really? Slow Jams was out. I'm like, what else am I right? You know, so I'm like, damn, I'm like, what the hell am I right? You know, so I was like, man, I went through some mental hell writing uh, <laughs> Overnight Celebrity. But once I got that flow pattern, it was over. Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because, I mean, a lot of your content was like very aggressive in your career prior to that. Like, that was that kind of like a big change i know you always had like softer records and stuff but that was like it was kind of like a whole different sound like let's let's pair the super fast rapping with these these soul samples and, and all the singing and shit like yeah. it created like a different aesthetic yeah it was and i think uh you know it was something new to the ear mm. you know just and then him doing what he's doing like if you if you put people together that that got a good skill set you're gonna get some you know, you're going to get something tight. So I feel like putting us together at that time, at any time, you're mm. going to get something tight, you know? Definitely. Do you feel like if Kanye hadn't blown up as a rapper that you guys might have continued to do a lot more crazy records after that? Um, Who knows? Maybe so, you know? Mm. Who knows? Maybe so. And we still might do some good records, you this know? This is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, Freeway, put you onto the backwoods? Yeah. You yeah. said that in another song. He did. That's interesting. Because that was probably like 15 fucking years before we started smoking backwoods. So you definitely had something on us. Yeah. It was it was a while back. Definitely. Yeah, I remember smoking the backwood and then we got to a point later on and I hit a swisher and I was like, Ugh, no, I got to stick with these backwoods. Right. It feels kind of cardboardy once you get used to the woods. Yeah. 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 yeah you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we know. <laughs> definitely. Um that's that's interesting though. Like, uh, did you ever did you ever stop smoking weed or slow down or anything, or you still smoke? Yeah, like uh, very rarely. Like, okay. you know, I pretty much chilled out. Like since I became a firearm instructor, I don't really do it. You oh, know? really? So, yeah. An instructor? Yeah. How'd you get into that? Man, once we got into quarantine, like I've always been into firearms a certain way but once we got into quarantine my buddy his name is actually creative too he he's a, a training counselor in chicago and he he can train you to become an instructor so i took the course became an instructor and started flourishing and that's why i got this hat the gun camp oh, so wow, y'all yeah. know it's called a gun camp and uh yeah i'm a uscca instructor nra instructor so you just do you have an actual gig consistently teaching classes or something like or what, yeah, what are you i try doing to i try to do it i try to do it every week you know me and my buddy we we got classes we try to do it every week but you know i'm starting to do a lot of shows a yeah. lot of other things be happening but but we try to keep it consistent and you know because i want my people out here to be educated about firearms people got misconceptions about guns and 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 firearms and i want to teach them the right way right like i don't even know if you have 
fully thought about how crazy that kind of narrative is is like you know you're from one of the places that has the worst uh reputation for gun violence yeah what does and, twisted and do gun laws too decides <laughs> that he's going to get into the business of teaching people how to be more safe about them yeah that's very interesting yeah, i love it um but in chicago like are you able to own firearms yeah okay so you're legally able to. Yeah. I just know that their laws are a little yeah. wacky. All my guns legal when I want some goddamn money. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about it when you, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, who want to take all the guns away or at least make it like extremely difficult for anyone to possess a firearm. What are your thoughts on that? Even though, even with that situation, like mental health, mm. I think, you know, just as much as you want to pay attention to uh, that kind of problem, you, you got to pay attention to the person, you know, mm. any object is just an object until someone with a personality picks it up. Mm. Someone with an emotion, a mind picks it up. So, right. so I think still you get into the issue of mental health when you talk about gun violence in a lot of ways. Yeah, because if there wasn't the mental health crisis that we seemingly are having in this country, then the guns wouldn't be a big deal. I mean, nobody, nobody has a problem with people having a pistol for safety. People have a problem with the fact that now somebody can decide that they want to make a big splash on the internet and they can go shoot up a Walmart and then they're going to be the most talked about person for a week and they'll be able to broadcast it on Instagram Live and have everybody see it. I mean, that's the fucked up part. I, I personally, I'm super pro-gun as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it's interesting because from my perspective, like I remember when I had G Herbo on here one time mm -hmm. and he had got caught up, like uh, he's, you know, he's driving around with a bunch of guns with his friends the cops pull him over and when the cops are arresting him and his friends they didn't say you shouldn't have a gun they said you should have paid security like the mm -hmm. cops are not in the dark about the fact that if you're g herbo driving around in the city is with no gun is just suicide but they want you to have to fucking pay a security guard to do it for you and i mean that that right there shows like how dishonest the anti-gun position is is that everybody <laughs> knows that you need this to protect yourself but you're going to go throw this guy in jail for it. Yeah. And that's that's where we, you know, people like me come into play to educate people with not only how to use a firearm, but your Second Amendment right, you mm -hmm. know, and, and the proper way to own a firearm. Because a lot of them, they got a firearm for the same reason a person that's legal has one, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of them get a bad rap for having one who only wanted to simply protect themselves. So I think, you know, you got different perspectives when you come with you know, when you're talking about guns, like it's too broad. You got families that eat from this from generation to generation. So I think we need to deal with specifics, you know, a little more uh, in depth, you know, like um, security and, and mental health and other things like that. Mm, I hear it. Um, okay. One thing that I wanted to ask you about is personally, Purple Haze is a, uh, one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. How did Cameron end up basically like utilizing a song that you already had for the, I think the first track or is the second track on the album? How did that happen? Yeah. Man, Cameron is just, he just fly with his brain, man. Cameron just has a fly brain. He, and, and 
Luckily, that fly brain was a Twister fan. Mm. He came to Chicago. He knew who was on the song. He got my man Buck from Psychodrama on the song. He got me on the song. He had this whole vision put together on how he wanted to sound. And we got in the studio, and, and we made that happen, man. So like, he had already heard the song and was just like, I want to do my own version of this with you guys? Yeah, yeah, he came to Chicago. He was in a Chicago studio and called us down to get with him. And, and we, we, we came up with that whole concept in Chicago. That's crazy. I was yeah. going to ask you uh, what was up with psychodrama because I was trying to Google it and like figure out what I could figure out from that and it, there's not that much online about that. they actually about to put out a new project really yeah I saw Dion Cole like it everything I was like oh man they about to drop another one. what was your relationship with them at the time that you, that you were that you already had that song with them that was just a random song to you that you had done with them which or, one or was that your artist the uh, adrenaline rush no, no, Buck, he was doing his own thing, but I always was a fan of him. Okay. And and I knew that I had this light, shrieky voice, and I, I knew he had this deep, mm. dark voice. Rush. And so we had this darkness, light type of vibe, and we was thinking all deep with it at the time, and we wanted to just combine this sound and feeling together. And, and, mm. and man, it came out like I wanted it. It was dope. Like, we made that song in a dark house, carpet, no furniture, I think he was laying on the floor writing his verse in the living room part. I was laying on the floor writing my verse in the dining room part. Mm. And we had the beat playing loud, and it was dark in the house, and we was writing a song. But you had already been a rapper for a long-ass time at that point, right? Yeah. But you were just still in, in the trenches? It was just, the house just didn't have furniture. Oh. It was just <laughs> A lot good, of rap clean, houses yeah, are like that, yeah. Yeah, it just was good, clean carpet on the on the floor and it didn't have furniture at the time mm. but we were still chilling in it doing our thing writing songs and, and kicking it respect that's dope yeah what, what, what cameron in chicago though like how was the vibe like from that studio session i just i'm so fascinated by him in particular in that era of his life like he just mm -hmm. seemed like such a crazy creative person they was really in it man like that's when i saw them dip setting hard doing mm -hmm. their thing like that was when they was getting it cracking, moving around to different towns and stuff like that. And when they was in Chi-Town, they was, they was cool, man. Mm. Yeah, it was real cool. On that song, you say murdering the enemy is the ultimate adrenaline rush. Did I say that on there? That's some dark shit. I was like, man, that sounds like some shit that some kids from Chicago would say these days. Man, I said something on, what I say? I'll murder me to murder you. I said that on a song before. Oof. Like yeah. kill yourself to kill them? Yeah. When you get in that music zone, man, you, just, <laughs> you know, I got to be careful because I might say anything once I get in that music zone. Yeah, I mean, that is interesting, though. Like, nowadays, like, if a rapper says some crazy-ass shit on a song, it's kind of like people expect that to be a real thing. But, like, it's like you come from a generation where it was more like, I'm going to murder you, but you really mean I'm going to rap really good and better than you. And that's yeah. what that's about. Yeah, it's it's understood once you once you realize, like, I listen to Wu-Tang Grave Diggers. Mm. So I, I listen to Grave Diggers. So leave me the fuck alone when I say my gory shit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no. I think about that sometimes for sure. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you about this thing that I saw uh, popping off on YouTube at one point. Basically, there's a clip that came out, and I'm not sure if you ever uh, commented on this, but it was basically a, a clip of Bump J making a claim saying that at one point one of his friends had had an uh, altercation with you. Do you have any recollection of this? Nah. What happened now? What did he say? He said that one of his friends robbed you back in the day. Well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you uh, do you recall that or have any comment? Hmm. I can't recall. <laughs> Respect. It'd be like that sometimes. Okay. Um, I guess another thing I could ask you about was uh, when you did the song with uh, Lil Jon and Trick Daddy back in the day over the Ozzy Osbourne beat. I can recall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, music? Yeah, we could talk about some music. Okay. <laughs> uh, what are your uh, What's your recollection of how that song came together? Um, Lil John's energy, man. Being in his house, he had that big ass mix board in his house in that room, mm-hmm. playing all these different tracks. I'm mad I didn't rap on half the tracks he gave me. So he gave me some dope ass tracks. I didn't rap on them because I didn't like them. They were too fucking colossal for my brain at the time. Mm. I wasn't at the place that I should have been mentally to conquer those tracks the way I should have. That's interesting. Like certain certain eras in your life where you end up basically like kind of not realizing the greatness that you're around in that moment. Yeah, it, I was scared of a lot of tracks, man. Mm. It was a lot of music. I was like, I would get a dope ass beat, and my fucking confidence wasn't up enough to think that I could kill this beat the way really? I thought this artist would kill it or that artist would kill it, and I would end up passing on a dope beat. That's, because I couldn't get that mentally. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of times now artists come out who really can only rap over one type of beat and you never really hear them rap on different types of production, but your catalog is full of you just basically hopping on like almost any kind of song. Yeah, I, I actually will rap on anything I like. Mm. I don't really think about money first when it comes to stuff like that. Like if I like a song, I'll rap on it. It don't matter how big you are or nothing. If that beat hits me a certain way and a certain conversation or something strike up where you know Mm. it it, it turns out where i'm you know in a position to rap on a song i'll do it yeah yeah no fear um what about that mariah carey link up from the back day were you actually back in the day were you actually around her um it's actually two songs i got with her really yeah yeah one on your song and one on her song No, both of them are hers i wish one of them was mine (laughs) yeah uh so which one are you referring to? I can't actually remember, so but I'd love to hear about either of them. It's it's so lonely. Um, that's my joint right there. One was a little more slow. I think um, Mariah had told me that she she got an idea from the brat. The brat told her to get a song or a beat from uh, my guy from Chicago at the time uh-huh. and uh, Traxta. And when she got the beat, she called to get me on the beat. And so I was like, wow, you know, it still all worked out for the best. And I, and I was happy to get on that song. And then we did the other song, So Lonely. She came again. I was like, dope, you know. Yeah. When you did that with Mariah Carey, though, like, how, how did you approach it? Or how big a deal did it seem like? Because we, we think of her as being so massive. Was this super early on where maybe she wasn't as massive? Yeah, or? It, no, it felt the same way. <laughs> the, the first song... The first song came easy to me because it was a tracks to beat and we got that magic together. Yeah. So so once me and him make something, it, it ain't nothing. It's, it's, it's going down. The the next beat wasn't a tracks to beat, so I'm stuck with the Mariah thought. And even though the song came out cool, my lyrics were not what they would probably be if I was in a different mind state. I was too in, damn, it's Mariah uh-huh. mind state. And it, and it had me trying to write what I thought was a hit, and I, I it's cool. I don't like it that much. Yeah. Do you do you look at songs that you wrote that you, where you were trying to make a hit? Do you often sort of end up looking back at them and being like, "That's not my best work." Yeah, yeah. 
it's it's when I did give it up with Pharrell, he had another damn song I wish I'd done before I did give it up. Right. I like I like the other song better than I like give it up, and it haunted me mm. in my brain. I was like, damn, I should have did the other song. Wow. Even though I like give it up too. That's interesting. Or what, do you find that your your favorite songs from yourself end up being the super technical lyrical stuff? Like I was listening to you know songs that you've done with Tech Nine and stuff, and I'm like, man, this is a completely different version of Twister. This is this is Twister when he doesn't have to tone himself down at all and just mm-hmm. gets to go full crazy ass beast mode rapper. Yeah. Yeah. What about it? <laughs> Which one do you feel like you end up appreciating that stuff more or like compare that experience of doing a song with Tech Nine to doing a song with a pop star? The song with the pop star, you feel like you're getting an opportunity. Mm. The song with Tech Nine, I'm on there with my buddy and we finna test some shit up. Mm. Yeah. Just going crazy on it. Yeah. Much respect. Um, I saw also when I was just doing my, my deep twisted dive on YouTube, I saw this footage of uh, there, there's like a, a, a legendary Chief Keef, Lil Durk, et cetera, show from back in the day that you were on as well. Mm-hmm. And it was like super viral at the time because they just had five million fucking people on stage during the show and it just looked absolutely insane. Damn, and do I remember this show? I don't know if I remember the show. You can't remember because it's been so long. I'm trying or to remember. Was so it a many... stage? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Where was it? I have no idea. We were out here one time on a stage. It was dope. Yeah, we kicked we kicked it hard out here one time. We were on stage going nuts. Right. So it probably was that. When you look at that new generation of uh, Chicago rappers and stuff, what, what what is your overall thoughts? Do, do you feel like you usually get the amount of respect that you feel like you deserve? How do you feel about seeing them just have this so many of these rappers blowing up from your city? Yeah, maybe maybe for a moment, I think I wasn't going to get a, a certain type of respect mm. from the young rappers because they were young. But I think the more they became artists, right. they probably realized some of the shit that I was going through and they related. And then, you know, I became uh, a certain, you know, I, I became cool. Like to some of them, I'm big unk, like Snoop out here. You mm. know what I'm saying? A lot of the artists in Chicago look at me like big bro or something like that. So, so it's always a cool vibe. I've always been a fan of all of the young guys coming out of the city. Like when I see him, I was one of the first Chief Keith fans. I was out there with, with, you know, trying to get in the video, the old man out there with the, with the, with the young bull, you mm, know? Definitely. No, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't say that without also having to say, rest in peace, King Vaughn, rest in peace, FBG Duck. Like there's just been so many talented Chicago artists lost over the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, do you? Uh, how much of your time goes into looking at new talent or wanting to work with new talent? Um, I love listening to new talent. Hmm. You know, I used to want to work with new talent a lot more than these days, but lately, in saying that, it's kind of a opposite of what's going on because there's a new project coming out on four twenty with my guy from Chicago called Rello the Dreamer mm. and his project is called News at Nine and I think people gonna love the project because it's dope and it's some music that is music that you want to hear mm. it's music you hear the young bull talking about going for his dreams 
you know, he got his label put together. He comes to work in my studio all the time. I'm like, you know what? We're going to do this. He wants to do a project. I'm like, I want to be on something hot like this. This, You know, I'm like, you know, at my stage, I'm like, okay, young ain't going to keep me in the game. You know what I'm saying? We're going to do this project, you know? So definitely the project is dope called News at Nine coming out 420, mm-hmm. Rello the Dreamer. But dope. what was it that made you decide that you actually wanted to work with him on that? Because I know that. Man, smooth voice, picking dope beats walking in the studio every day, hearing songs that I wanted to be mine, mm. this type of stuff, you know? So it was an easy decision to want to get on with them and an easy thought process when I realized this going to come out, everybody going to love this. They're going to they gonna like this vibe from Twister. This, ooh, I did this verse to this because it sounded like, you know? So just the the project being put together with the with the great musical mind state, mm. people going to really like it. That's yeah. dope. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um... I wanted to ask you about this one too. Is that you were actually on Acid Rap with Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa yeah. like super early in his career? What's your uh, memory of working on that? That was dope. He he came to an in store we had. We was at a store up north, and he came there, and we had to uh, just chill with the fans and do a little something. And me and him got a chance to vibe out and exchange numbers. But you already knew who he was. He had, he had a, a wave going in the city. Yeah, okay. yeah, I already knew who he was. Okay. Yeah, I knew he was coming up, you know. So I was excited about getting that opportunity too, you know. So when I heard that song though too, I was like, "Ooh, I'm about to kill this." Right. You know. Yeah, him and Vic was killing it on that. I was like, you know, I was in my mind state that time though. Right. So I was like, I know what I'm gonna do to this one. So mm. that song right there, "Cocoa Butter Kisses," is one of my favorite songs. That's interesting. Is Chance the Rapper? Did he ever tell you that you were like very influential on his style of rapping? Around that time, yeah, yeah. He he definitely shared that with me. You know, I got a good vibing relationship with him. His brother's cool, parents mm-hmm. cool and everything. Because yeah. that's one thing I was thinking is that if you listen to a lot of the Chicago rappers, you can't really, uh, they, they, they respect you for sure, but you can't really hear a lot of your style in a lot of the drill rappers. You know, like they basically just ended up going their whole, their own way direction-wise. But when you hear Chance rap, I could definitely imagine that he was listening to you and the, he took things from what you were doing style-wise. Yeah, like if I hear something like that, like I'm always happy about it at this mm-hmm. stage. You know, if it's like your peer, you're younger, it's a certain thought process. But at this stage in my career, I want to be influential with, with the sound that I've put put into the game, the years I've put into the game. So, so to hear any artist that will come out emulating me in any fashion is always looked at by me as a compliment. So, so I'm like, damn, sound like a young version of me. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I, I'm always into it. That's fire. Um, I also wanted to ask, uh, are you going to do a versus battle? I don't know. If the right one come up, you know. Right. You know, I, I hear stuff get thrown around, but, uh, you know. They were throwing around right Buster Rhymes. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I think Buster got his mind, like, set on other people and other thought, mm-hmm. you know, a different type of thought process. Yeah. So. Yeah, when you think about Busta, there's a lot of big hits that you got to contend with there. I mean, you got a lot of big hits, too, so it would be interesting. But, damn, he's he's had some big-ass records over the years. Yeah, it don't matter who I do something like that with, though. We're we going to rock out. <laughs> he's like, know? I ain't scared about nobody. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I ain't scared of you know, nobody. But And then we're going to rock out, too. You know, right. the, the whole vibe of it is going to be dope. I think I got enough in the tank to be on there and create a a, a, a great-ass versus with somebody anyway. What about Common? who it is. You guys came out together. That would be huge for Chicago. Two different sounds. Very different. This you know, is true. Very yeah. different sounds. Mm. There's nobody on your agenda, though? 
nobody really just don't like that you'd love to just fuck up. Because you could do the Gucci Jeezy model. You just basically do it with your biggest op, you know? But that's what I'm saying. You got different versions of a versus battle. You got mm. versus battles where you, you know, I think early on it was a maybe a little bit of a negative tone in that. And I think mm. right around now everybody is trying to be in a space of good energy right. and shit like that. So I think a versus battle right now should be more of a celebrated party by two dope artists doing their thing together. Like, wow, this person, this, they're going to be going back and forth playing their hits. Like, mm. you know, that in itself should be appreciated. We shouldn't have to take it to another level all the time just mm. to be appreciated, or, or should I say for people to be appreciated or artists to be appreciated. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, I think... Gucci and Jeezy made the versus thing bigger than it'll probably ever be again. Because that's like, you know, it's yeah, a, it, that, that's just them. You, you know, know what I'm saying? But everybody is not Gucci and Jeezy. Right. And there's, there know? can only be so many of those. Like, that was a rare situation. Because exactly. realistically, if there's somebody who, you know, was responsible for someone in your life losing their life, you probably don't want to get on the same stage with them. Yeah. The fact like, that they did is pretty amazing. That, that, that's, you know, man. It's Gucci and Jeezy, you know. Still kind of can't believe it happened. I remember it was on live, and I was driving home, watching it, just laughing and freaking out in the car. Like, couldn't believe what I was viewing. I was rocking out to them songs, baby. Yeah. I was like, damn, he playing this one. Damn, <laughs> yeah. he playing this one. <laughs> Facts. Um, I did, uh, before we uh, wrap this up, I just really wanted to at least try and ask you about the video that went sort of viral and ended up on TMZ of you and your homie beating some guy's ass outside of a, a bus. <laughs> Can we hear that? I what happened? Twister, <laughs> Twister with a motherfucker in a headlock. Never thought I would see it. My manager was there, man, and your homie was throwing those body shots. It's like you could hear his fucking ribs breaking when he man. was punching him, dude. See, see, <sighs> see. I'ma tell you, I had no intentions in being in anything like that. I didn't think so because you've gone like your whole career with. I, I don't know if I ever heard about Twister beating somebody up. Really, like that's never been the thing we heard about with you. This dude was he was he was he was going pretty hard, and when the whole situation kicked off between him and my guy. Man, it was crazy. I just know how me and my brother used to fight mm. when we was little. And so that's where my mind state was, was catch him in his blind spot, get him in a headlock, and let my brother beat the shit out of him. <laughs> that's, that's the way me and my brother used to fight. So right. dude couldn't, he was going nuts trying to get an angle. He was, he was a beast, though. He was a bear, you know. So he was, but he couldn't get a good angle or position and watch both of us at the same time because mm. I was going to be on the opposite side. He slipped one time, mm. and that's all it took. And then uh, you never had to hear about this afterwards? You never got a lawsuit or you never got arrested or anything like that? Nah, nah, man. Don't even bring that. What you talking about? <laughs> that was nah, years I ago. Keep, I keep my head up, though. I keep my head up, number one. Number two, he started it. Mm. You know, So I, I think my brother knew he was in the wrong. But definitely I wish that that situation wouldn't have happened. And I hope we didn't end up hurt or anything like that. But ew, don't drink that much, man. Watch oh, your mouth. one of them. Man. He was wasted. Man. I don't know. I don't know what was wrong, but mm. but he got himself into a situation. I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so anything else that we should uh, update ourselves on here? Anything else that we need to know about in terms of uh, Twister? Man, days? I would love to introduce Rello, man. Oh, I brought right, him right, right. with me, man. I was going to say, yeah. Can definitely. we uh, pull up another mic so we can get an introduction to your uh, your artist over here? Look at that. Seamless. Boom. 
Yuri comes in, throws the mic up, and we're in business. Yo, yo, what's up, bro? What's up, man? I'm all good, I'm all good. How you feeling? Great. So yeah. uh, our guy here, Twista, speaks very, very favorably about you. Uh, from your perspective, how did you guys meet, and, and what did you uh, think of him going into it? Um, I was working in the studio, right, with Sonny, one of the other producers, you know. It took, like, two years of working in that motherfucker for him to hit my shit and, like, okay, this nigga nice. So I was in that motherfucker, you know, when he come in that bitch and sit down and chill, I make sure I record some dope-ass shit. He downstairs listening to it. So one day, his homie came up to like, man, this shit cold. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right, this nigga rocking out with me. You feel me? Right. So and then I, I'm like, okay, let's do an EP. We made this shit happen, locked in, 420. Damn. Lose at nine. That's dope. So what's the chemistry like? Like, how would you say your styles complement each other? Oh, man, it's great. Because, like, like I say, everybody knows he's a legend, you feel me? So when I go in the studio and make anything with him, I got to make sure the boss, A1, everything got to be, everything got to be, everything got to be in order, you know what I'm saying? So, and we go back and forth with each other, you know what I'm saying, perfectly. Uh Uh-huh. How would you, uh, do you ever get close to the level of like speed and technicality that he does or, or is your style different because I haven't actually uh, heard you yet we got, my a, first song, time we got a song we did something like that on the project like but I ain't going as fast as he be going you know what I'm saying but I tried to keep up with him a little bit you know gotcha. it's a track on the project he did his thing though he it's did called his, it's called 2021 originator you know what I'm saying so trying to keep up with him but you know can't do that <laughs> too damn fast <laughs> that's what's up you're from Chicago though Chicago Southside okay that's what's up um damn that's dope. Um, yeah, anything anything else that you have out there or anything we need to know your about? Label, your label, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I got a whole label, Creative Minds and Goals. You know, I got artists, producers, you know, work under me. We all work together. So it's not just me that I'm trying to put on. I got a whole clique of creatives, and we all coming, you know, coming soon. Fire. No, yeah, definitely. I, I got to hear this project. I'm trying to check that out for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those. I think the world going to love it. Uh, One of those. Like he say, it's going to give another little start to some new shit for everybody, you know? Fire. For sure. Yeah, I have to dope. hear it, man. It's real dope. That's a, that's a serious cosign right there. Damn, I just realized this weed has a QR code on it. <laughs> we get digitally high. We can't get you to smoke a blunt with us? Nah. Damn. Nah, <laughs> nah I'm chilling. Different mind state right now. <laughs> yeah. We got some edibles. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Twista, it was a good, it was a good time. Uh, you didn't have a conversation. I, I noticed you haven't done a ton of interviews over the years. Every right. once in a while. I do, I do them. I yeah. do them. Not a whole lot. Right. I do them. I don't be trying to hide in the cut or nothing. You know, I've right. just been on my, on my thing. I've been, I've been, you know. Shooting targets. I just uh, think it's kind of like rare, you know, like like a good twist interview. Like, there's not that. If you go to YouTube and type in twist interview, you really I try to tell good, you good some stuff that I ain't really told in the interview. Like, I ain't really broke down the De La Soul and all. Like, so I'm trying to tell you, I was, you know, let me mm-hmm. hit on a few things that I hadn't hit on nowhere else, you know. Definitely. No, I appreciate it. And I'm definitely uh, looking forward to checking out the project. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, it's dope. What's definitely your uh, dope. social media, just for anyone who wants to check it out? Our social media, Twitter, Rello Dreamer. That's R-E-L-L-O Dreamer. Instagram, Rello Dreamer underscore. Definitely give me a follow, for sure. For sure, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Twista, thank you so much. You dig no jumper, baby. You we did it. We <laughs> did it. <laughs> There it is. Thank you, my brother. Twista, no jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, nojumper.com if you want to support. We will see y'all streaming your music on Fridays. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir.